Welcome to the Troublesome Terps. Uh, at long last, we're sort of kind of back for tonight. Uh, and One with that being life. said, I'm Alexander Gansmeyer. <laughs> and you've already heard him broadcasting live from his living room, Alexander Drexel. Hey, Alex, how are you? Hey, Alex, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing really well. Yeah, we're, we're kind of uh, spoiled the news that already. So if you've been paying attention, you know what the show is going to be about. But before we get to that, let's welcome... Uh, the third German in the room, Sarah Hickey. Good evening. How are you, Sarah? Hello. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here because uh, this podcast always lifts my spirits. <laughs> um, yeah, and also because we haven't been here in a little while, so it's nice to be back. And yeah, last but not least, um, our most important host of the night, I think, um, Mr. Dr. Jonathan Downey. <laughs> I was going to say, going... Going with the last theme, I'm definitely not making any shoes. That's a cobbling joke, if anyone knows anything about making shoes. Yeah, this is this is a really big episode. It's a pleasure to be here for this special episode. Should we just say what's going on? Because I'm, I'm trying to string this out as long as I can, and it's getting <laughs> to the point. So, two announcements. I'm going to do the personal one first. This is my final ever Troublesome Terps. For lots of reasons, I've had to, to to cut down on commitments and to change a few things. This is my last ever troublesome terp. She'll find out what I'm getting up to later on in the show. And the three now the three current troublesome terps hosts have an announcement about the future of the podcast. Yeah, I'm gonna leave that one to one of the two Alexes. Even though I would say, well. First of all, you may have noticed that we haven't been here in a little while, in uh, two months, um, because we, well, frankly, we're all a little, we were all a little bit busy, and we needed to um, spend some time thinking of um, what the future of this podcast should look like. And so, definitely, <clears throat> one thing is certain, and that is that this is the last episode in this format with all four of us, uh, and we have some ideas for what the podcast could look like in the future, and that may potentially involve all of you the biggest podcast panel ever <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone <laughs> yeah. who's ever listened needs to get into the podcast no i was just gonna say before we get into the future of the podcast i think it would be nice to take one last trip down memory lane i know the christmas episode was was just around the corner more or less figuratively speaking in terms of a long corner released <laughs> but uh, it's a very long corner <laughs> Well, you know, it's been a very long two years. So I think we're kind of used to that. Um, the relativity of time, right? Yeah. What is time but, anyway? Um, what is time anyways? All made up. So it's a really useful herb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And if you wanted another reason why I'm leaving the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting kicked out. Too many dad jokes. We couldn't Too many puns. <laughs> the, 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 the pun count is going to drop dramatically <laughs> from now on. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but I mean, we've been here for, for quite a while. I actually forgot to look up when our first episode aired. I was going to do that. The very, very first one, which was... Um, Spring 2016. Dictionaries on Legs. 13th of February 2016. That seems accurate. Wow. Six years. It's been a while, yeah. Wow. I have had three children in the time we've been hosting this podcast. <laughs> That's wild. 
Yeah, okay, that makes the podcast feel old and that makes me feel ancient. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sarah well, had an know, addition to the family as well. More wisely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But don't worry, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna go through all the episodes that we've ever recorded. Um No. no. <laughs> or all the children. We love all <laughs> the children. Exactly. <laughs> you, but it certainly it certainly provided us um with a lot of great opportunities to yeah to meet great people have a lot of wonderful guests and uh, I think the guests would be the people that we need to thank first and maybe even the most <laughs> for uh, bearing with us you know for hours and hours of conversations but I I like to believe they were all quite interesting and maybe insightful and funny and maybe sometimes not so funny we've had some serious topics over the years as we are one to do with the name you know troublesome terps um and I think we we were going to get into you know sort of favorite moments and highlights. I think the the live episode we did in London was still sort of the absolute highlight for me. I don't know about you, but sort of the mix of that was great doing a live episode first, doing it abroad, doing it in London in a pub um, with a live audience. I think that a lot of things were coming together, and it was the first time that all three of us were in the same room um, together. So that was that was mind blowing. Because for years, I actually had a theory that the two Alexes were just one person doing really dodgy, really dodgy German accents. And it's true. We're very <laughs> similar. Because I mean, we're almost people, twins, basically. See, <laughs> we were just talking about that so, before you guys joined us. I mean, it's it's basically the spitting image of each other. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say as well. The, you were the like the bananas in pajamas. <laughs> B one and B two. You're A one and A two. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> but it is very funny. So, <laughs> You don't have bananas in I was pajamas. Great. It's great. <laughs> they, have a, they have the catchiest songs this side of Teletubbies. <laughs> okay. Well, the the other thing is, is that for the first couple of years, we recorded with no video. That's true. All we had was sound. And so yeah, I, the, the very early days of, of me in the lounge, hoping I the Wi-Fi signal would reach it and stuff. But one of the things that I think we should take credit for, and... I'm sure the same language interpreters would tell me that we weren't the first, but I think we were the first spoken language interpreting podcast to seriously cover interpreter burnout and mental health. And I think we've come to it a couple of times. And to me, the highlight is that from practically from day one, we have lived up to the billing of dealing with the things that keep interpreters up at night. And we've not shied away from difficult subjects. It's kind of difficult. I don't really want to pick a favourite episode but I think the one that made the biggest difference in the podcast for me was the episode where we had Sarah on so so Sarah's episode before she became a host like we, we, all, we did that episode and then we got to Geneva and the two Alexes and I were like we should ask her shouldn't we she's the one yeah, we probably should. <laughs> and you just I knew lost then. a lot of trouble. <laughs> you certainly did. But, that, 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 I mean, the, the Alex's highlight is the live episode. I think my episode highlight was the one we recorded in Geneva, where it felt like, you know, you have all of these, what we call in Scotland, high hegens, all these leaders and experts in interpreting. And then you have two Germans and a mad Scotsman doing the, 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 mm. the, the closing session. And I think it was good because I think we succeeded. We got people being honest. 
we got people saying things that maybe they wouldn't necessarily normally say in front of an audience, but the atmosphere was there. And I think we recorded a really cool episode as well. So Geneva for me was the absolute highlight and it made me realise that some suddenly interpreting was taking podcasting seriously. Mm. And there just seems to be an explosion of interpreting podcasts recently. It's it's incredible. Well, for me, one of the things is that, well, well, I feel like I can say these things because I'm not really <laughs> part of the inter- active interpreting community anymore. Well, one of the things I've always found very difficult, even at the very beginning, was I feel like it's um, it can be nice. That's a very close knit community, but it can also be very difficult. And from the beginning, there's so many rules and you don't want to make the wrong step. And it's nice to have a place like this where you can talk about the more controversial topics as well. And I think it's a testament to the three of you, um, you know, like that you have so many people that are listening as well. Because, I mean, I know I joined later, but it's really everything was I was like coming to like this completely like ready nest and just sat in it, you know, but (laughs) you guys started all this and like people say that it's not so much about the one who starts a new movement, but it's about the first follower, you know, but, and you guys have a ton of followers. (laughs) So I feel like there's demand out there that for the interpreting community to also talk about the uncomfortable topics, you know, that maybe, or at least to hear about them, (laughs) because um, I feel like oftentimes it's not so easy to address them in public um, there's a lot of barriers, there's a lot of fear of upsetting somebody and it having a negative effect on your career then because it's so to- um, close-knit as well. And I felt like when I came across you guys there as well, that kind of really gave me hope and gives me hope now as well that maybe um, it started something, you know? That makes us sound so important. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to finish the episode right here. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Like this is always on a high note. But I mean, I do. I do have to say about the the Geneva episode. It's also one of my favorite ones. I I don't know if I can choose because that was the one. Oh no! Actually, it was the one afterwards. The one after was the first one with Sarah, right? Yes. Yeah, I think I joined more or less Im- or immediately after, right after, or the one after yeah. that, or something. The first year in review, then for me immediately. <laughs> Yeah, we had you as a plant in the audience, so you were effectively part of the team, you know, for all intents and purposes. Yeah, that's true. true. I was already somewhere on that episode. Yeah, you were already think, causing exactly. trouble. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do want to give a shout out to to Kilian, who he, he was the one who asked us to host the panel and do this live episode. That's true. And uh, I think that was that was. Uh, I don't know if courageous is the right word, but I think that was a, a really bold move, and I'm really grateful to him for yeah. that. So, credit where credit is due. What an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even though like two years later, I still like cast my mind back to Geneva and, and realize how big a deal it was. They say that you don't realize big deals until you've lived through them, mm-hmm. and I think Geneva felt like a big deal. Um, and it's it was watching Sarah on the end of the aisle with like her stack of Nimsy research. I'm like, this is going to be a good day. <laughs> she, she came to play. <laughs> yes, it's like you, you. It's like the person. Have you ever interpreted? And you get one person in the meeting who brings like a brick thick worth of paperwork, and you're like, this is going to be an interesting mm-hmm. meeting. Yeah. And, uh, and you saw them, you saw Sarah on the end end of that aisle, and I'm like, well, we know who we're, who to go to with question one. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was um, it was so different from all the other industry um, events that I go to. Yeah, of course, for like Nimsy, for example, where you know it's completely normal. Everyone has their stuff with them, and everyone having like these discussions together. Whereas this was, of course, more from more like academic and nobody knew me there with the exception of maybe three people or something. And um, there wasn't much in terms of market research, which makes sense given the setting, of course. But basically I was completely out of place, except for the fact that I also am a trained conference interpreter. Mm. And so I've been in touch with this side before, but I wasn't really there anymore and I'm not really there anymore. So yeah, totally like a fish out of water, but I kept splashing. He surely did. And a splash he made. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good place to be, is the fish to be the fish out of water. Yeah. Was her first episode your highlight then, Alex G? Sarah's first kind of episode as a host was that your highlight because you were admittedly telling us what your highlight we took over which yeah no, I, I just think i just think that was one of the things because the podcast with sarah just kind of became like its final form right so like the the troublesome foursome and i i like the format with the four of us i think it i think that sarah added a lot to the podcast not that we were lacking before but i think she just was like the cherry on top of everything of a big podcast sunday um, so I do think like from that on there was definitely a new era that I really enjoyed I got quite a few I don't know about you guys but I got quite a few Twitter messages and DMs and emails saying hey, it's a good thing you've got women on the podcast oh for sure <laughs> yeah yes. in an industry so like this kept getting these reminders ooh I know <laughs> The, the, there was a running joke for a while that I kept coming across where Troublesome Terps was the place where all of the male interpreters hang out because there are only three of them. <laughs> <laughs> they, they need their own podcast because because that's where they live. Yeah, like a safe oh. space. <laughs> yeah, and I have no problem being the quota woman here. <laughs> same, same with the quota Scotsman, Jonathan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because being a Scotsman is a protected characteristic. <laughs> someone came. I was someone came to visit translators and interpreters in Scotland, and I'd spent time with them. I don't want to say who they were, but they said to me, "You know, um, I have a colleague who says he listened to such and such a podcast for the intellectual content and troublesome terps for the fun." I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that'll do." <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of how we we got started out, right? Because in, initially, the whole thing was supposed to be we're just sitting around. Like the the concept of the podcast was you're sitting in the pub with your mates and just talking about stuff that bothers you that is kind of troublesome and whatever and then it, we became very not formalized but professionalized in a way initially it was just the three of us and then we had guests on and then we had serious guests and then we had like very serious topics and you know we had the live episodes with tickets and everything then we went to Geneva which is super important and and we had the 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 what was it the podcast slam the podcastable. I was looking at the episode list and the number of important people who trusted us in our first year. Like, that's crazy. And Alex was saying about thank thanking the guests, and I think the guests have really helped so much. Um, all of our most popular episodes are ones where we've had guests on. I don't think that's a... a I can't even think of the words too late tonight. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, I think our top one is still the Judy and Ewan one on business. And you could see, so we get access to the stats of how well each episode does, and you could see from the stats what there was a real need for. A couple of them I was surprised, like I was surprised that the sore throat episode didn't get more 
listens. Uh, maybe people find that again. They might find it useful during uh, remote interpreting or something. Maybe we need that a sorir episode. <laughs> Are you wearing the right headset? Yes, it's, I feel like it's still so even in you know the modern world that we live in, where everyone like you keep hearing these things of how normal it is, you know, and how accepted it is now. If you have a mental health problem, and you know, people say things like, "Well, if you had a cold, you would treat it too," you know, or well, maybe you wouldn't with a cold much, but you know, get the idea, <laughs> and, uh, or you wouldn't be ashamed of it. But there is still so much stigma around it. Like I know some. Friends of mine um, who are doctors who um, have been dealing with some stuff and they didn't want it on their records, so they're doing it privately and things like that because, you know, is there put, are there any potential repercussions? Or I think there's lots, so, so many more people that are dealing with mental health problems. And um, yeah, I myself in the last year have struggled significantly with depression. And that is one of the main reasons why I've been really open about it like I don't have a problem sharing it here I've shared it with everyone I know because I feel like if we keep saying we want to change this uh, stigma mm. um, around it then we can't just keep hiding like I'm I don't I'm not trying to push anybody if it's too private for you it's totally understandable because it's hard to talk about but at least for me I felt like I don't care who knows <laughs> you know? I'm struggling with this I still am and it sucks but it helps sometimes to know that, uh, you know, other people are struggling with it too. And, you know, still life goes on and there are ways to deal with it. Um, and yeah, same as, I mean, when I was in the hospital for um, other issues, uh, physical ones, I also didn't try to hide it from people, you know, so. Yeah, Friday night, I was at a session taken by a guy called uh, Patrick Regan. And he was talking about mental health and he was talking about how sometimes the environments that you think you can go to to get support, they're not actually equipped to help you. And he talked about his battles with it and how he still struggles. And I thought, you know, to be able to open that door and even to admit, you know, like last week for me was a, a horrible week because, I, you know, I found out I wasn't going to get funding and I realised that I'd built far too much of my hope around that and so on. And so you, you realise that you know, mental health is a lot like physical health. Sometimes you have long-term issues that need treatment and sometimes you have a couple of days or whenever that, that you just need to, to work on. And I think that analogy to physical health is really, really useful because it means that I heard someone recently saying, you know, these people who have mental health and I felt like saying everyone has mental health. It's just <laughs> some people have mental health problems at the moment you know it's like saying mm. oh no he's got physical health yes it's called being alive mm. <laughs> and that's that's kind of even restructuring the way that we speak and restructuring the way that we think and realizing that there are ways through difficulties and there are people who sometimes all you need to do is listen and there are people who can signpost you to the right people so yeah if you need help please go get it because it's it's going to be life-changing for you yeah, and actually for me, uh, having started therapy as well made me realize um, that I think everyone should try therapy, whether you're struggling or not. I've learned so much about myself I was never aware of. I feel like, why didn't I try this before? <laughs> so I can highly recommend it. You don't need to be struggling to go for it and learn a little bit more about yourself. I think a lot of people who do start therapy actually say that. And um, there's there's a Belgian comedian who also talks very openly about mental health issues and I think she said once that uh, basically the, the comparably tiny amount of people who are in therapy 
kind of have to do that because so many people don't <laughs> have therapy. So you kind of do it for the, you know, for, for the benefit of everyone, which is unfair. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's the way, that's the way it is. Uh, I like that, actually. And yeah, for me, and like, you know, I, in my role at NIMSI, I talk to a lot of um, business owners, CEOs and all that. Yeah. And um, the, honestly, 90% at least will tell you that it's the people that make the company. Yeah. I think that's true for most jobs. It's about the people, you know, about the people, you have nothing. And everyone keeps talking about how great their team is and all that stuff and putting people's people first. But at the same time, I feel like we see very, very few people, very few businesses as well, um, or the individual leaders in it who are actually willing to live up to what they're saying there. You know, it's annoying me sometimes that it's becoming it's more of a buzzword to be people-centric rather than actually being people-centric i know it's not as straightforward but still i would hope that some of this maybe uh changes maybe especially now also that we've had the great resignation which i think ties in with that to be honest and I was going to say, if you are on the board of an association, and I know associations regularly look at their member benefits, could you please look at providing access of some sort to some kind of mental health support service? There are ones available that you can tie into. Uh, there are kind of other training that you could do that you could put people through. So please, I know associations regularly look at me, uh, member benefits because I've been there. I understand the pressure of being on the board of an association, but this is something, you know, associations are always talking about the future of the profession. How do we invest in the profession and how do we grow the profession? If we want there to be an interpreting profession in a few years time, we have to be investing in interpreting mental health now. So things like there are very few um, qualified professional supervisors, so people who work on emotional resilience and ethical decision making, there are very few of them available. The ones who are available, please contact. Let's see if we can get more. Let's see if we can get more people access to that. There are things that we can be doing individually, you know, thinking about therapy, thinking about support. There are things that we can be doing as, an asso as associations. And also, I got a memory back from facebook recently when i went to the tlc conference in warsaw and did a talk stroke workshop on your support team and it's the o to today it's the only talk workshop that i've ever done that i've seen people cry in and someone came up to me at the end and explained to me how much it meant to them and i realized then that probably still the unspoken assumption in most of interpreting is everyone gets by by themselves and the truth is no one gets by on their own Oh, I think you can apply that to society, to be honest. Yeah. Like, I, and yeah, I agree. A lot more needs to be done. Um, uh, sorry, I lost, totally lost my train of thought. And I also interrupted you, Jonathan. So it's a <laughs> lose-lose situation for me. It's okay. I needed, I needed a drink of <laughs> water in, the, in this lovely conference bottle. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it's definitely very helpful when you feel supported by you know either your company or your association your colleagues ideally i hope you're all feeling supported by your families you know it makes a really really big difference um and feeling like you're completely in it alone and of course i mean when it comes to jobs you know we all have jobs and we're afraid to be maybe out of the job too much for health reasons um you know and the effect that that might have and so feeling supported there as well i think can be a really big help because I think that's also one part where people drag it out too much and not get help. 
Well, I also made a realization with my physical health today, and it is very similar with mental health, that I realized a couple of years ago that I was either going to take some time out of my day to work on my physical health, or I was going to end up losing more days because I didn't have my physical health. And so I now try to, I'm currently recovering from injury, but I now try to run regularly three times a week if I can, which means that my working day is shorter, but it's better a shorter working day than a shorter working life. And I was I was chatting to someone who'd recovered from an injury and I said, oh, I, I got COVID and I was finding it tough to get back. And I got this very stern but helpful message saying, get back as soon as you can because your children need you and your friends need you. And I'm suddenly like, yeah, we don't just work on our physical health and our mental health for us. We work on it because there are people who love us who want us to do well. And I think that's... I'm going to get a teary episode. But I, th- I think that's important in that to be able to, re- you know, if you think, oh, I'm, I'm just getting fit because I feel like getting fit. No, actually, you're, you getting fit is adding to other people. I, the first book that I wrote was all about adding value. And I think that's something that I've now realized is so important is your self-care is your gift to others as well. Absolutely. And also even, but it's also super valid to, to do it for your gift to yourself, you know, both I think is very valid. And I agree completely also what I said applied just as much to physical health. I think <laughs> that's also all too common that people drag it out too much there, you know, barely hanging on. <laughs> um, I think that's one thing that the pandemic has shown us also. Now everyone is keeping their distance from everybody when as soon as they have a slight cough or, or sneeze, we don't usually do that when we're sick <laughs> before and just keep going, you know, and meet others and all that stuff. So, yeah, times are different now. Exactly. Um, probably a good time to um, move on to what happens next for the four of us. I mean, we're not going to keep doing the podcast, but we're still doing exciting stuff, I think. <laughs> so uh, we wanted to give you just a very brief you know, update on what we've been up to. So, uh, Jonathan, do you want to go first? Yes, so I have launched a new podcast with uh, Lauren Albizo on church interpreting. And because it's on church interpreting, its title is The Church Interpreting Podcast. The episodes, we're trying to keep every episode under half an hour. I think the first one was actually 18 minutes. And it's available currently on Acast, Spotify and Stitcher. Trying to get it listed elsewhere, that will take time. It should be on Google Podcasts as well already. So it's called the Church Interpreting Podcast. If you're interested in church interpreting, or you didn't realise that church interpreting existed, or you just wonder what on earth it is, check it out, have a listen. I'm currently working on planning out the, the next episode. Suddenly when there's only two of you, there's a lot more planning that goes on. But it, it's going to come out roughly monthly probably i'm not making any commitment right now but we're we're trying to explore an underexplored area of interpreting and it's one that actually seems to be growing commercially as well so i've had quite a few paid church and christian interpreting assignments recently which has been something i've been passionate about for 14 years so it's great to be able to talk about it that's really nice even though i wasn't sure you were able to keep anything to 18 minutes only <laughs> yeah i'm skeptical but it's let's only 18 <laughs> minutes and it's me doing the editing so i'm sorry i couldn't yeah. help myself it, it's me doing the editing and when we set up each show we give each other times and we have to fit in t- inside the time slot and the guys on this podcast that alex alex and sarah will, will believe me when i say that i haven't yet managed to record my time slot in one take yet i don't know why that is 
<laughs> Beats me. I have no idea. Yeah, but in all seriousness, Jonathan, I think it, I'm really happy for you that um, this is finally something that you're able to do after such a long time of being passionate about it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's great fun and it, it's lovely because there's now a, a growing church interpreting community thanks to a guy called Mike LeMay, who quite a few people have seen on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. He started it and it's just ballooning. And so, you know, we're talking about communities and about support. It's because the church interpreting community, because we have a very close shared common experience, even more so than conference interpreting, which can vary between countries. Church interpreting is basically the same wherever you are. And so we have a lot of shared experience and a lot of shared jokes and stuff. And it's it's a really supportive place to be because people understand kind of from the gut what it's like to you know jump in and suddenly the pastor goes off notes and you're like okay this is going to be interesting so it's it's great fun and we're trying to keep the podcast informative and fun and there should be two really nice interviews coming up as well i'm just teeing them up and trying to get them recorded sounds great yeah so check out uh that new podcast i think we can probably put the link in the show notes can we alex um, and uh, sure Sarah, you, you good. I mean, you can. That's uh, that's what you do. So uh, <laughs> check check out the show notes. And uh, if you want to hear Sarah live, you can also do that. Actually, you've been doing quite a lot of live stuff. I am uh, currently catching up on your uh, YouTube session on the language industry overview. So uh, that's that's a long one. So I've only now gotten around to oh, that. Yeah. It's it's not really the latest thing you've been doing, but <laughs> yeah, people can find I mean, you over on, on uh, Nimsy Live, of course, quite quite often. Yeah, so I, yeah, basically from Nimsy, we have a YouTube channel and then whenever we go live, it so- shows up on all of our different social media channels. So probably also, of course, LinkedIn, but uh, also on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and on youtube and it's afterwards uploaded to youtube and uh, nimsy live is run by tucker who uh, is pretty much he was one of our uh, founders and he is loving the live streams um he's mr live stream now i think he's on uh, it seems he's there 24 7 feels like it, yeah, in <laughs> he's a good everywhere way. um i had also started my own live stream uh called last week in localization but i've been neglecting that one actually for the last few weeks when i was finishing up the nimsy 100 our ranking and then um, analysis of the size and state of the language services market. And that's probably what you were referencing there because, yeah, we did, when the whole thing was finished, um, we had a live stream where we talked about uh, some of the main findings. It was together with um, Renato Beninato, our other co-founder, and a few other of my wonderful colleagues who all contributed to the report. And yeah, so definitely um, I will be back doing last week in localization and potentially other live streams. So yes, you can see my face there and yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Yeah. Alex, uh, what, when's your next Insta live? Or I don't know. Are you on Clubhouse? Insta Something live. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you, you have to do, you've got to be doing some live streaming, Alex. Do, th- do uh, the hustle. Well, I'm doing live streaming from, from, <laughs> from the booth. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Goodbye. You can join my live stream, Alex. I'll have you on. Oh, yeah. I'll be the background dancer. <laughs> you know, the audience can't see what I'm doing. <laughs> Alex has already been a guest on my YouTube channel, Inside Interpreting, new video coming in the next 10 days. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I'm doing live streaming from the booth, I guess. Booths around the world. You know, into 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 like <laughs> yeah. a s- streaming, for a streaming audience. I don't know. No, That's but um, yeah, I'm pretty much just going to be 
working. I mean, I've been working. It's been very busy. And I think I'll just be enjoying a couple nights off when we're not doing podcast stuff. I mean, there's always enough stuff to do. You know, we have the network, yeah. our Conference Dolmetscher Deutschland network. We have a, another new website for, for Munich called Babylon Interpreting, mm -hmm. which is another network, another local network. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on that's kind of happening behind the scenes. And I'm usually kind of dabbling a little bit in, in, in making those things happen. So, yeah, I'm... Trust and believe I'm keeping busy. <laughs> yeah. It just occurred to me that actually, you know, with, with Sarah doing so much research and live streaming and Jonathan branching out into church interpreting, you're kind of the last conference interpreter standing from the four of us in a way. I so know, that's good I too. Know. That's quite an achievement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because um, uh, I, I have changed jobs. Actually, I think we've never talked about this on, on the show, which, which we mm, don't have. Not to officially, no. But I, I actually moved out of conference interpreting in the last summer. So I'm now a, a communications guy, something with media, as they say in Germany, was mit Medien. And I, I work for the European Parliament's translation service. I'm, I haven't strayed too far. But um, yeah, so I might also pop up here and there, and I'm still quite active on social media, but uh, we'll also not be uh, appearing on, on this show, at least. And I think that brings us to uh, to the, sh the future of the show, the future of mm. Troublesome Turps, because yeah. we did say in the very beginning that this is the last episode with the four of us, but it does not necessarily mean the, the end of the show, right? Because um, it was our baby. I mean, we started the whole podcast, but it doesn't mean that it could not continue without us. So one thing that we wanted to offer to you, to the listeners or the other community, is that you can use this platform, you know, because we've set it all up. We have the infrastructure. We know how to record a show. We know how to edit it. We have a website. We're in all the big... Uh, you know, directories for, for podcasts. And Jonathan just mentioned earlier that that can, uh, can be difficult and can take some time until you're really everywhere. So I guess our invitation to you is that if you have an idea for a troublesome topic, and it could just be one, you know, you don't have to commit to do 100 episodes, although that would be great, I guess. But um, if you have an idea and, and maybe a few people that you think would be great on uh, a podcast panel to do a discussion, we're happy to help. I'm happy to help. So I'm, I'm happy to stay behind the scenes and, and help you with that. Um, but that's kind of our idea for, um, yeah, keeping the show going just in a very different way, I guess. It's very non-committal. I think the way we we kind of liken it to the the translation talk Twitter account, which you know just kind of changed on a regular basis. Somebody new took over, talked about stuff that was important to them, and the podcast could go a similar route. So if you do have anything that you find interesting, even if it's just a one-off, if you and your best booth mate have something, or if you just want to find some people randomly on Twitter who find the same topic interesting as you do, then you guys can just get together, record the episode, let us know, and then we'll put it on on uh, for everybody to listen to. Because I'm sure if you find something interesting, there's a ton of other people who would find the same thing interesting or controversial or troublesome or whatever it may be. Exactly. So in that sense, we are handing over the podcast to you. It is all set up and ripe for the picking. I guess keep it classy, it's you know. Probably I mean, right to do so nothing fishy and that kind of thing, but I guess <laughs> I think you, you know where we're going with this. <laughs> yeah. Stay classy, San Diego. <laughs>
we we've really we've we've said thank you to the guests already, but I think that the listeners have really been incredible. I think you know I'll, I'll never forget the first time we got an email saying that what was it we were in the t- top ten <laughs> culture podcasts in Angola. Shout out to all our, our listeners right. in Angola. All Hello, ten of you. Um, but you know it, it's really strange. You don't do things for the numbers. But it has been incredible to realise that there are that many people who wanted to listen to an interpreting podcast. And yeah, it's I, I'm I'm believing that most of the downloads that show up on stats are real people and not bots just going <laughs> click. But the <laughs> the the tweets and the emails and the uh, I again, I was at a conference somewhere, and someone kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said that I didn't have a clue what you look like, but I would recognise that voice anywhere. <laughs> Apparently, I have an accent. <laughs> but yes, I completely agree. Well, of course, you know the we have to thank our guests a lot. When we're very grateful uh, to have had them, I think we need to thank our listeners even yes. more. Because it would all be pointless if nobody was listening. I mean, it would still be nice to just be chatting to you guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's right? always so nice to just chat to you guys. But still, it might make it a little bit more pointless if then we put it out and nobody was yeah, listening that's true. to it. <laughs> that is true. Just get our mums listening in. And so and that's lovely. But it is actually the listeners who made the podcast what it was, right? I mean, you guys really pushed us. You... Like you came to the live event, which Still is something that the, the Alex and Jonathan, yeah, like they can tell you. It, I was not sure anybody was going to show up. <laughs> I was, you know, I had nightmares that it was just going to be the three of us. Nice. But you did show up. Yeah, I remember actually, Alex, when I was just a guest on the show as well during my episode. That uh, the Alex, who currently has a red head from giggling yeah. as well, uh, was giggling a lot as well. And I was constantly unsure, like, what does it mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> is, is it he, me? Is he laughing like, at is me? It a, is it an agreeing giggling or like a shocked giggling? Or it just, could be all of those sure. things at the same time. But I still thought you were very nice. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. Contextual. <laughs> Alex G and I met on the ITI board, and there, apparently there was serious talk of splitting us up at board meetings. Well, like the bad so kids sitting make in the back each other of school, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's always the same. Oh my god! Yeah, we we really have to thank the listeners, and I think all of the comments, all of the 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 lovely emails, all of the people who've retweeted the show, all the people who've recommended the show. I mean, I'm under no illusions. I, I know fine well that this show grew because people liked it and, and asked someone else to, to listen to it and passed it on. I've heard tales of people telling their interpreting students to listen to it. If you're an, interp- an interpreting student, well done. Um, yeah, it's it, it's been an incredible ride. It's been an absolutely incredible ride. It has. Um, and it's been an honour to share it with you three. In a way it's sad, but in, in a way it's like... Um, it's like a little bird that that's grown up. It's it started off a little bit rough around the edges. It got fed enough worms. It grew. It got stronger. It learned to tweet. It learned, it learned to be to noisy. It, it it started flapping its wings, <laughs> and and now the little birdie is leaving the nest and is going to be in the care of the interpreting community. And we all know how universally caring and kind the interpreting community is. 